1: You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game.
0: This is the Power Producers Podcast, production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power?
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And we have got a for you today. Mr. Stephen Turnbull from T Five Insurance Services in Utica, New York. What's up, man?
2: How you guys doing? Appreciate you having me on.
1: Absolutely. We're sitting here, everybody, for the benefit of uh, for your benefit. Prior to recording, we were discussing the placement of the Gargantuan Feel the Power sign that James Jenkins was kind enough to send <laughs> uh, as a gift to me in my office and. I'm thinking we're going to put it over there in the Lutz office I think in we found Kyle's a backdrop so we actually can see it when we record the podcast. Because if I yeah. put it here, I don't think James knows how big that thing is, man. It won't fit. I really don't. There's no spot behind you for that That's to what fit. she said. Even, yeah. <laughs> even if you moved <laughs> the other two, like it's it still would not fit between that window and the wall. No, and then I've got the killing commercial one that's like a, 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 you know, a very substantial sign by all accounts, but it's like the it looks like this pen <laughs> next to yeah, that other one. That massive. Like the, the the killing commercial one's absolutely perfect size for me to like replace that insurance sign or something in my right. office. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But anyhow, Steven, what's going on, man? Give everybody oh, kind of the much. ten thousand foot overview, and we're gonna we're gonna dive in.
2: Yeah, so my name is Stephen Turnbull. I'm president of T5 Insurance. We are a new agency. We're about two and a half months in, fresh off the street. Uh, my family I come from a long family history of insurance agents. I'm a fifth-generation agent. I started about seven years ago, uh, worked for my family's insurance company right here in town, and uh, about two and a half months ago, decided to go off on my own and uh, and give it a jump, and, and here we are. And uh, luckily... Uh, you know, it's been a crazy two and a half months, learning something new every day. I know, David, you and I touched base. Actually, I saw you in Syracuse when you spoke to the Big Eye. That was the week that I left, uh, so the timing was good there. And and just uh, looking forward to talking to you guys today.
1: That's awesome. So you left the family agency five generations deep, man. Having and you know my you know my whole backstory at this point, I shared it with you. Yeah. So I. um you know, I don't know how much that parallels some of the frustrations and things that may have left you to leave, you know, and I don't, I, this is not an episode where you, where we're going to bash the generations who came before us. I don't necessarily know that that, that even needs to happen based sure. on how how we've done what we've done. But certainly where there are some things that led you to say, you know what, I need to do it my way. You know, I need to start my own thing. What did that look like? And I'm, and this is probably the first episode of Power Producers where I will actually talk freely about how Florida Risk came to be as part of this. So, yeah. I'm just, I'm interested in, in, in your story from that perspective.
2: Yeah. So, like I said, I joined the the family agency in 2016. Um, five generations, 156 years old. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of history there. And, um, you know, what, what comes with that is a, a lot of good things. A lot of, uh, you know, the business has been strong for five generations and 150 plus years, but a lot of the same habits and different things. And, uh, so when I joined in 2016, it was, look, you know, let's try doing it this way. Let's try and doing it that way. And, you know, different things definitely did work. And, um, I think you, you put it the best way you just said, there was just, Uh, Look at myself, 27 years old, getting married in September. There's no better time to do the jump than now is what I thought. And, um, you know, here I am. And it was just I think I can do it a different way. I think I can set up an agency a different way. Not that there's no right or wrong way. There's just a a way that I think I can write more business and, and be the best, you know, insurance professional I can be. And that's what I'm giving it a go with the T5 here.
1: How much friction did you get? There's a little bit of
2: friction, but you know, yeah. that, it, I think that's with every family business. You know, the more and more I've, I've talked with, whether there's family businesses that work out or the, or they don't work out, there's always the oh, you gotta separate family and, and business, and that never happens. And if it does happen, that's that's amazing and and good for them, but it's hard, you know. Um, well,
1: yeah, and so for me, I think I I probably have the a unique ability in that I can separate it. <laughs> I tried to separate it for eight years, but I don't feel like that was necessarily reciprocated on the other side. And that's where it becomes difficult because for me, I don't care who I am in terms of being related to the, the, the quote unquote leadership of the agency. There are expectations in my role that I'm going to have regardless of where I work. Sure. You know, I need to, I need to have support. I need to have systems. I need to have reporting. I need to know where I stand. You know, and we started that the the prior agency uh, to Florida Risk. We started in 08, scratch, and we um, had nothing, man. I mean, we literally started scratch. There were a couple of accounts that we were able to migrate from our predecessor firm that we were at, but at the end of the day, we had no AMS, we had no CRM, we had no producer commission reporting, and I took a severe pay cut to start that agency from where I had been operating as just a producer. And I had, no way to, I had no way to know what I was even supposed to be paid or earned or whatever. And I think that that's where the lines start to get blurred between family and business because I never would have put up with that from anywhere else, right? If this was anybody else I was working for, it wouldn't have been eight years. It wouldn't even have been eight months. Mm-hmm. It would have probably lasted six and I'd have been out because I'd been very successful as a producer and I had my systems down and knew how to write business, but had the opportunity to become an equity partner in a firm with with my father as a partner and it didn't work it it was it was destined for failure from the very beginning and part of the reason why is we're both extremely stubborn and bullheaded and we want our own way but the other reason is you know my dad's not a marketing or a sales guy by any stretch like his his sales sales shtick is so hokey Because that's what he hangs his hat on. It's, hey, I'm not a sales guy. I'm an old risk manager, and here's how I would buy if I were you. Well, guess what? It's painfully obvious you're not a sales guy because rule number one is don't ever assume that that person's going to think the way you do. It's your job to educate them, but don't tell them what you would do if you were in their chair. You're automatically putting them on the defensive for them to think, wow, this guy's coming in here thinking he's smarter than I am, right? right? And so we were never going to mesh for that reason and i just dealt with it for as long as i could and finally got to the point where i couldn't anymore you know i i want to be able to control I, I think the other part for me too that that's problematic is i've always been the leader i've always been in charge And it wasn't a big deal when I was just a producer. I know that sounds crazy, but I kind of was running my book like it was a business and I didn't really answer to anybody because I was producing and I was working side by side with my account manager. So I did have that freedom. I did have the ability to be entrepreneurial and I didn't have to ask permission. I just went and did what I needed to do to get business done. And as long as I wrote business, everything was good. I prior to that, I'd had total P&L responsibility from the time I was 21 to the time I was 31. I made the decisions. I wrote the budget. I knew where the money was going. I was the one that was approving everything. And so you can't take somebody who's entrepreneurial, who has that kind of skill set and experience in their working life, and then push them into the corner and say, go produce business and you're going to take a 75% pay reduction and you're not going to have any say on how the agencies run. You know, we we understand we're telling you that you're an equity partner, but you don't get, you know, and and that's not how they said it. That's just how the actions let everything, it's how it all played out in the end. And, you know, I've been pretty vocal when people do ask me. I launched Florida Risk and I had one mission. I was going to do everything that I wanted to do for the prior eight years and was never allowed to do. That's it. People Mm -hmm. want to know, how did you build your business? I had eight years worth of ideas that I was able to execute on almost immediately. And the result is I've built a pretty successful agency as a result. That doesn't mean the other agency's unsuccessful. It just means they're doing things differently. And I wasn't willing to conform to that any longer. That's not what I wanted to do.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's so similar. Just to go back to your point, I asked myself the exact same question. If this wasn't a family business, what would you do? The answer was very clear. And to your point, you wouldn't have stayed there for eight years or whatever, and I would have done the same thing. And you know, I I laughed because everything you just said is exactly what I've been saying. I have all these ideas in here that I want to do. And it's not that they weren't supportive or whatever, but it's like, okay, go over there and sell. But what about you know, this software, well, that's an expense versus an investment. You know, now as the president of T5 and my own agency, I'm looking at what best software, what, you know, what best system should I be using to build my foundation as a startup here? And it's never an expense in my mind. It's an investment because I know the ROI on that. And I know what that can do for the agency as we bring on more producers and more support staff and have that all set up. So, that The most exciting part is to say, okay, Stephen, you know, turn, turn and talk to Stephen. What do you think, Stephen? That's a good idea? Okay, yeah, that's a great idea. It's also the scariest and, part. <laughs> and the scariest part at the same time, exactly. And uh, you know, after the, the, the last two and a half months, I've never been more scared of, of what you know, the future might hold. Every day you wake up and it's on you, but it's just coming from a family business where I really w- was developing into the face of the business after the last couple of years of being there. It's such a different feeling with T5 because you wake up every day and it's yours. It's your baby. You're responsible for what's going to happen, and I've just enjoyed that, you know, in the short two and a half months here.
1: I would be interested in your thoughts on this, and I promise, man, I'm not going to ask any hard questions. I'm not going to ask you to <laughs> outside <laughs> of what what I've already made comments about. But I am going to make a statement, and I'm in, interested in your feedback in it because I think that I think I'm pretty accurate when I say this. When you have a, a multi-generation agency like that, that's already established, I feel like at some point it it moves from being an entrepreneurial organization, an entrepreneurial mindset to this is just the way that we do business, and we're always going to do it this way, right? So 150%. I've never been part of that, other than I was <laughs> the scratch agency we started, started out that way, and I think that what people miss in all of that is. When you are entrepreneurial, when you're wired that way to be a good producer, be entrepreneurial in your approach and all of that, you have to scratch that itch. And if that itch doesn't get scratched, you're going to become more and more discontent with where you're at because your needs aren't getting met, right? And yep. look, I don't want to. I don't want anybody to take this is is a lewd remark. You can certainly do that. But it's no real, real different than a marriage, right? There's no real difference there. When you're married to your spouse, you're there because they're meeting a need in your life and that could be psychological, it could be emotional, it could be physical, but there's companionship there and you get into that relationship because you want it to be symbiotic and you want those needs in your life to be met. But people get divorced, why? Because their needs aren't getting met. Exactly. Right? Something happens. You don't talk over dinner anymore. Or, you know, we put ourselves in positions as men in the workplace where we're having inappropriate lunch meetings with members of the opposite sex who pay more attention to us than our wives. And that's where affairs start because these people are meeting a need. It's no different in the business world, in my opinion, because I can tell you, man, when I was at the other agency I built, most people don't know this, I've never talked about it on the podcast. Podcast before, but I had a I had a multi-million dollar company that I started as a side hustle in, in e-commerce just because I wasn't getting my needs met, right? So what happens? Well, I'll use the, the affair analogy the same. If I if I'm not getting attention over here, I'm gonna move over here where I'm getting attention, getting my needs met, where I feel comfortable, where I can make decisions, where I'm getting paid. And I built that business up and it did yep. take away. I, I, I've never once said that I wasn't taking away from the other organization, but there's a reason why. And it wasn't a secret because I'm not the kind of person, I know this is going to come a shock to everybody listening to this, but I'm not the kind of person that's going to sit in the corner. I'm not the kind of person who's going to be told, shut up and do it the way we're going to do it. If I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's a better way. So, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, My needs weren't being met. My entrepreneurial itch wasn't getting scratched, so I launched Florida Risk Partners.
2: Yeah, I was honestly
1: leaving. I wasn't even going to be in the insurance industry.
2: Yeah, and 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 that experience is what is what caused those emotions of you to leave the insurance industry. You know that negative experience that you had. I think to answer your question about the multi generational business, you're absolutely right. You pin it right on the head. I think some phrases that I've used in the last couple of weeks here, talking to other people is it, after generations and being comfortable and being successful, it starts to just become a charity where everybody can, you know, on the family gets a job and these things need to be met. And it's the same thing, if this was happening at a different business, what would you do? And, you know, the biggest thing that I'm excited for for T5 is to build that culture that I always wanted, you know, build the culture of allowing your staff to, to, to do different things or, you know, I, on a, and on a simple note. I always say I can't wait until my first, you know, support staff salesperson says, "Hey, Johnny's soccer game's at three o'clock. You know, can I go go to Johnny's soccer game at three o'clock? You know, make allow that culture because the life that I came from. I, it sounds weird to call it my prior life. Was offices open eight to five? We're here till four fifty nine, and until the bell rings. You know, and so it's so exciting for me. To going back to what we said about everything that's been up here in my mind for the last six years of what I want to build and what I want to get back to be able to give those experiences to the future employees and, and partners of T5. Yeah.
1: So I'm going to ask you a question and it's going to sound weird, but I'm going to qualify the question before I ask it. Okay. I would be interested in what you would do differently if you were your dad And you were bringing your son into the agency. And I'm not asking you necessarily to criticize your father. I'm telling you this, or I'm asking you the question because that's the position I'm in right now with my son. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I did, or sons, because we're getting ready to bring number two in, you know, relatively soon, like next week. So I I ask you that because I feel like I'm very, very cognizant of everything I would have done. And I would never put him into the same position that I was put into. But I always ask for other people's advice that have been in a similar situation to make sure that I'm not missing anything.
2: Yeah, it's a clear answer. And it's have the plan. Draw the plan out. You know, Show your sons, show your sons, this is what I'm expecting you to do as an employee of my business. Yes, you are my son, but you are an employee of my business. These are the requirements I want you to meet. And this is the plan to get to your point B from wherever your point A is. And at the end of the day, that was another leading factor of, of why I started T5. There wasn't a clear directive path of Stephen being able to do the list of things that he wanted to do when it comes to his professional career. And, um, you know, I, I know where point A was. I know in my mind where point B is. And just to be able to draw the steps out to say, okay, son, when you get to this point, you know, when you become a producer, if you produce whether it's produce this much or give this much back to the firm at this point in your career, you'll have this. It's just have a plan and set up for, you know, that either that succession or what, what their career will look like.
1: Check. I did that. We're good. So I'll tell you, man, it's interesting. I mean, in one of the things Grayson's been on me, like this has been him driving the process. It has not been me because I have actually been against it for a lot of the reasons that people can probably surmise based on what I went through Mm -hmm. and my experiences of working in a family business. Um, And so I told him up front, I'm like, nope can't do it. I need you to go work in a grocery store or retail or something like that for a couple of years because I want you to learn how to be accountable to somebody else. I want you to learn to work a schedule. I want you to learn how to deal with the public at their absolute worst. And retail is certainly going to fit the bill. Plus, I need you to learn how to work on a team and get along with other people and know know what that's like. So he did. And I said, "You got it's at least two years. And occasionally he'd say something and I, nope, two years. So two years in one day, We had the conversation. I'm like, look, yeah, you can come on board. He goes, well, good, because I know how much, you know, I want the lifestyle. I want this. I said, well, you got to put in the work, Mm. my man. You're not going to get the lifestyle right out of the box. I mean, I realized that. In our house, you know, we've been able to take trips to nice places when we want. If we want to go have a, a, eat out for dinner or whatever, I can remember the days when I didn't know if I had enough money to pay for pizza at night on Friday night for my kids. You right. know, when we first launched, I mean, it's that, it, that's that's where we were. Mm-hmm. And so they've seen kind of everything, but they forget about they forget about the lean years when sure. you're living in the fat years. And so I told them, I'm like, you're going to start by editing video. I don't want to do that. Well, you took video editing in high school. I have a need for that. That's the job. And if you want to learn how to be a producer, you need to start by editing video. And he goes, well, I don't understand. I said, first lesson's in humility. You ask me for a job, I'm telling you what the job is. Here's what I need you to do. I will personally train you and what my expectations are. And we did. And I got to tell you, man, as a father, that's a difficult position to be in because for me, it's really, really hard – to have the patience. My mind's a million miles an hour, a hundred percent of the time. So for me to slow down and explain a concept to somebody is already a stretch for me to slow down and explain it and make sure that it's comprehended, have them repeat it to me and then go back and retrain. If they're not, that's almost unheard of, but I've done a really, really, really good job of consciously making myself do that with Grayson. I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one.
2: That's, and, and so I, I showed him, great.
1: I showed him what I wanted him to do. And, you know, we're three months in and he's like, when do I get to learn about the insurance stuff? That's where the money is at. When do I get to do this? When do I get to do that? And I said, you're in this role for a year. Okay. You're in this role for a year at a bare minimum, but you need to- I just don't even ask. I said, you have to do it. That's, that's the job that I brought you in for. And I have specific reasoning for you being in there. And he's like, all right. I said, don't bring it up again. said, because I'm not, I'm not, it will not be well received. This is the expectation. And he's a good kid, man. So there's not a whole bunch of arguments back and forth, but he's also of all four of my children. He's the one that is Pro. I mean, he's literally my clone, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you. He is exactly where I was at that, at that age. Um, And so we were out at the, the better agency conference in um, Phoenix back in uh, May or April rather. And Grayson was at the registration table talking to somebody and I was behind him and he didn't realize that I like, wasn't like somebody had grabbed me and I, that conversation got wrapped up. So I'm listening to what's happening and Grayson, whoever says, Oh, it's nice to meet you. I know your dad, you know, you having fun working at the H. He's like, Oh, man. Yeah, I'm having a blast. I'm learning a ton. He goes, I, You know, you would never believe, but I'm editing these podcasts with all these smart insurance people and smart salespeople, and I have to listen to them, and I'm learning so much mm. through the process of. He goes, when I'm done doing this, I'm going to go out and feel like I kind of know what I'm doing as a result. And I'm like, and that's what your dad learned from watching Karate Kid, because I just missed he- Mr. Miyagi to your rear end. Yeah. Right? So I put him in there editing, he learns as much as he possibly can. He's an absolute sponge. I take him on the road. You met him. Yep. I mean, we were in New York, we taught him how to set up the podcast gear, record, edit. The kid's got a skill set now that he can go and use anywhere. So if something happens with the agency where I have an exit or, you know, he just decides he wants to do something else, he can go do that. But if he wants to make, take the next step of progression in his career, he's also got some understanding of how the industry actually works and he can cons- he can say yeah, yes, I'm confirming this is exactly what I want to do without me going through and investing all of the time, energy, and resources to get him trained, get him licensed, and try and have him produce, and then find out a year in it's not what he wants to do, right? Right. So now he's at a point where he does understand he is committed. And guess what, man? That's one of the good things you can do as the the dad. I changed the rules. Mm Mm-hmm. I changed the rules and said, you know what? You're doing a great job, and your little brother needs to get a job. So if you can train him to take your place, then he can come in and take your place, and we'll get we'll get you licensed to get you a desk and let you start working small commercial. That's awesome. And, and then he'll be ready to go, right?
2: Right. And, and not to mention, mention the lesson that he, that he learns of, oh, look, I, I do... So much better than the expectations or do, do the job I was asked or whatever. And that, that time frame comes sooner or whatever that is. I, uh, hats off to you for doing that because that's a huge, huge difference. And in my, you know, my situation, there was the, I started answering the phones. I started learning the systems. There definitely was that, but it was kind of a natural progression, you know? Um, of uh, and, and most of the conversations came from me when when do I get to this point when do I get to that point when do I be able to do X and y and so to be able to set those clear expectations of these are the checkpoints that you get between you know your journey or whatever that is so valuable
1: Absolutely man. So look my piece of advice to you is be tech forward but be very prudent in being tech forward. Mm-hmm. That's that's something that I've, I've done a marginally good job of. I did a really good job of it early, but that was kind of because I didn't have the means to, to buy anything anyhow. Um, and what I'll tell you is when I was a couple years in and I actually started going to conferences like Innovation and Brainshare and some of these other things, it was really like a whole new world was opened up to me because I didn't know any of this stuff existed. Now, I mean... I knew about HubSpot and Salesforce and all of that because I had been lobbying to get that into the agency for a couple of years at that point but um you know to go out and see things that we use every day. Now it was just mind blowing. And I got caught up in that trap and I'm the guy that really, the one app I definitely need is the one that'll scan your bank statement and tell you all the places you have recurring charges (laughs) that you don't remember (laughs) that you have, and then you can cancel them. And I'll probably pick up like 1500 bucks a month in my budget just because of that. But, um, you know, what are you thinking, man? What's the tech stack look like as you as you roll this thing out? What what are you going to what are you going to add?
2: So, um yeah, I am definitely to your point, I'm doing this as lean as possible. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, investing in what I think is necessary for being able to build that foundation the proper way. Um right now I'm on Agency Zoom and Hawksoft and I am looking at switching over to Better Agency just cuz I like I like the idea of having everything kind of under one roof. Um, so you know, and I was on Hawksoft and Agency Zoom at my previous agency, so it was an easy transition. I knew how to do everything and and just kind of swapped it up and flipped the switch and went live with it. But um, I think I like what you know they're doing a better agency over there and um having everything under the one roof. So but besides that, it's just you know, getting one policy at a time. You know, one one email at a time. Getting things in the door. It's. I tell everybody, it's me, myself, and I, and we're all arguing with each other all day long. I'm sure you can relate to that from starting Florida Risk on the on the kitchen table. But, um, you know, it's. Dude, I was exciting. telling somebody
1: a story. Yeah, I was telling somebody a story earlier this week. I mean, I can remember early on driving to a not so favorable part of Tampa with. A firearm on my ankle and a firearm in my waistband mm-hmm. to pick up twelve thousand in cash from a guy who needed a roofing policy in place that day for general liability. My God,
2: yep. <laughs> like, you won't forget serious, that.
1: Like you'll never forget it, but I'm kind of like, wow, like that's it's it's kind of because I never dealt with that. You know, when I walked into the industry, I went to a, a firm that is now beyond massive, but we we start we were starting and they the guy that was the founder had come from another very, very successful independent agency that he sold prior, sat out as non compete, decided he wanted to come back into the game, did, and they're huge at this point. Like well into the hundreds of millions in valuation, um, so i didn 't have to deal with budgetary concerns i didn't have to deal with this is coming out of your own pocket, but you know it's interesting too, because I think one of the things that I enjoyed more that I enjoy more now about how the, our agency is structured versus any of the other agencies that i've worked with is I get the freedom for what the actual value proposition of the firm is, and how that's gonna integrate at the point of sale, but more importantly, how do we integrate that financially for our producers, Mm. okay? So I'm pretty transparent when people ask me, what compensation structure looks like for our producers. It's 40% new, 25% renewal. Now there's a lot of people out there who are going to be, you know, sucking the air out of the room, wondering who in the world's willing to work for 40% new and 25% renewal. Cause there's people doing 50, 50 or 70, like, 30. I've seen crazy deals out there. Right. The reason is because of our value proposition period, my producers are not going to, going to leave to go to another agency over any of that. And to be to be clear about what I'm talking about, when I came up in this industry, I've always sold the same way. It's, nev- it's, it's rarely been, you know, go out and, and quote policies based on an X date. It's almost always been the risk management approach. And I've modified and refined that over the years. But if I were to go out to a middle market account in my early years and sell the deal and say, we're going to bring loss control in um, quarterly. We're going to do this, 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 and this. And it was going to cost me $10,000 in loss control budget. I had to split that 50-50 with the agency. I paid five as the producer. The agency paid five. We had a business development person. The business development person, that's honestly, I don't know, we should have said Rockstar Appointment setter should have been her official title because this lady was <laughs> off the chain, man. I've never seen anybody like her. She had a database that was 20-some years deep. She knew everything about every decision maker, every gatekeeper, kids' names, sports play that they play, pet names, where they went to church, everything, right? Mm-hmm. But if, if Marlene booked an appointment for me, she also had her insurance license. So when I'd closed the deal, she got 10% of the revenue. I paid her 5%. The agency paid her 5%. Well, I didn't want that to be the way that I ran my agency. So when somebody comes and works at Florida Risk, like for Kyle, for example, if he goes out and sells a middle market deal and we need to have an environmental specialist go out there and do something or an ergonomics person or whatever else, I just eat it. Right. I don't bill that back to him. Right. I don't want him to be encumbered financially because that's the right thing to do for the client. So I don't need him not giving pe And so again, this goes to a different type of thought process, but I don't want him not delivering services the client needs because at the end of the day, if I didn't, if I did charge him for that and he doesn't handle the account the right way, what happens? Claims go up. My contingencies are gone. So I'm actually doing some of that investment in services to protect my contingencies with the carriers, which is great money. Yeah. And so it's kind of a wash in the long run. Same thing holds true with um, literally anything. My producers have no expense that is born out of their own pocket. So I think that when when you're an agency principal and you hear things like that, you always need to ask the follow-up questions to understand because, no, I'm not shortchanging the people who work here at all. In fact, I would challenge any of them to go someplace that's offering 70-30 or 50-50. Good luck. You're not going to get nearly the resources that we have. Yep. The reason you're able to close business at almost 100% rate is because of everything that we've invested in and built. And you're taking advantage of that. You just don't see that you know, on the front end. So. Absolutely. It's an interesting thought process, right? Oh, yeah.
2: I think, and and to your point, like the little stuff builds up and just going back on the basic level of the even like a flexible, you know, schedule, like that, having your uh, CSR or whatever go to Johnny's soccer game, like that little stuff is going to build up to where they're never. Gonna looking to go other places or uh, on the other side, gonna continue to appreciate it. You know, I, I'll, I'll never remember not going back to dig at my, my father or anything, but I always thought like, why? It was always a, a member of the family that was the salesperson, you know, and we were a small shop, about six, seven people and just the salespeople were, were, were the members of the family. And I always said, like, what if we try to bring in outside people? And the, the first reaction was always, well, what if they build up a book or something and leave? And, and that's yep. you know that older mentality and it's well go, t- it's a scarcity look mirror, mindset look in the man. mirror and ask yourself why they left because the finger comes back to the the owner of the shop or whatever and the culture that you're building so um you know again that's just something I'm excited to to do
1: yeah no i agree i mean we're the we don't i don't track PTO or vacation time i want my people to take whatever they need now there is an understanding and an expectation that their job is getting done right. and if that's not happening then that's not going to happen and it also means it doesn't mean that i don't have to approve it right like just because i'm not necessarily tracking it in terms of the number of hours you still got to let me know when you're going you got to give me the opportunity to look at where we're at on the schedule because there may be a time where i have to say look you got we got three people out this week this isn't going to work right. you know we're going to have to figure out some level of seniority or whatever works because we ran into this issue last year at thanksgiving where you know school's out well, guess what? There was like me and one other person in the office. Everybody else took their vacation. In part and you know, I look, I own that. It's my problem. Mm-hmm. I it was my fault. I didn't make them turn in vacation requests. They just said, Hey, by the way, I'm gonna take it, do you mind? And I'm going a million miles. Oh yeah, no problem. Go ahead, whatever you need to take, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> there's two of us in the <laughs> office for a week and I issued enough certificates that I would say, you know what, I'm never doing this again.
2: <laughs> so did you but- did you do something to change that? Like a different Yeah. Process. So,
1: I mean, we're actually going, yeah, we're actually going through this right now as part of us going through traction to make sure that we're dotting our I's and crossing our T's. But, you know, I just basically said, he, look, our payroll platform is has got time off requests in it. We've never enabled it or used it. Now we're going to enable it and use it. If you want time off, go into the time off request thing, put it in there. I'll go in once a week when I go to clean up payroll and look. I'll approve it, or if I've got questions, I'll ask you, but then I can at least take that and make a notation on my own calendar so that I can always see kind of where everybody is in the general process. What I don't want to do is get to the point where I say, you get 80 hours a year, you right. know, or you, <laughs> or you get 120 hours a year at five years. I don't want to do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, I want people to have flexibility, but there's been studies that have been shown, man, when you don't track it, people take less. Mm-hmm. You know, if I tell somebody, if you tell somebody you have 120 hours of vacation to take, cause you've been here for five years, they're going to take 120 hours.
0: Right. Yep.
1: If you give them flexible PTO time, they're going to take what they need yep. and they don't feel it. Wor- and I want to make sure people are very clear on this. It's not like we're screwing over our employees. I'm not. If they needed to take more than 120 hours on flex time, then they're going to get that. But they tend to take less because they don't the vacation there there's not been there's not been a number that has been set right, and so they don't feel like they have to take it or if they they don't take that they're going to be losing out on something. And they spend the time making sure their job's done. You don't ever have to worry about whether work's getting completed or anything else. And when they need to take time, they take the time. If they want to take their time as a four-day weekend, take your time as a four-day weekend. You know, growing up in retail, that wasn't an option. It was like (laughs) you take your time and you take a whole week at a time, right? right? right. And that's it. And you can't break it up or whatever. But there will never be a day, and I can say this unequivocally, there will never be a day in this organization where – People don't make it to soccer games, dance recitals, practices, church events. I don't – whatever it is, that is as important for me for you to be there as it is for you yourself to be mm-hmm. there. And if I find out that somebody missed something because they were at a work-related issue, had a work-related issue, and that wasn't communicated to me, and I didn't wasn't given the opportunity to jump in and help them to make sure that they could go and in, in be at that event, then I'm going to have a problem with that because that's not acceptable to me. I I need people to have work-life balance. Too many times it's a buzzword that's out there where people say, "Well, we're going to give you a great work-life balance," and then the next thing you know, you're working 100 hours a week and, you know, basically working for minimum wage based on what you're getting paid by the, you know, by the hour when you do the math, yeah. right? So, I'm not willing to accept that, and that's that's something that I start said when it was me originally because guess what? That's how I operate. Now, it's going to be very, very rare that you're ever going to see me take an entire week off straight other than like spring break or something like that. If we have a trip planned most of the time, I'll take a Friday and a Monday and just break it up. And I may and I take, I take frequent long weekends to decompress with my wife or take the kids somewhere or whatever. But very rarely is it the whole hour at a time. But I mean, I'll give you an example Friday this week, we're flying out. uh, Annie and I are flying out in the afternoon to Kansas city and we're going to go see George Strait at Arrowhead stadium Friday, uh, Saturday night why bucket list concert. And I learned with Tom Petty and the Eagles that I'm not missing any more concerts straight. Don't come east of the Mississippi anymore, man. I haven't seen him in a, you know, over this way in a long yeah. time. I've never seen him always said I wanted to George ain't getting any younger Buy the freaking concert tickets, eat the cake, take the trip, man. Yep. Life's too short. And so we're doing that and I'm taking Friday afternoon off and I'll be back in the office on Monday morning. I would want any of my people to do the same Kyle's wife. She's She works at ADP, qualified for a trip, won a trip to Hawaii for President's Club. He's going to be gone to Hawaii. You don't go to Hawaii for three days, right. right? And will it suck for him to be out? Yes, it will because I'm the one covering his desk. But I want him to have that, man. I, I say that with all sincerity.
2: And that goes so I, far. I it that- goes so far. And when they're back in the office, they're on and on. You know, it's not you're here eight thirty to 5 whatever it is and you have x amount of time off that's all they're looking forward to and they maybe work 8 to 12 and get up in the old water cooler talk and all of that but when you're like you know just to your point you said taking a long weekend to go to the concert when you're on you're on and and you at the same time with your employees give them something to look forward to or and it comes back to what they're going to give to your organization because they're going to remember everything that you've done for for that.
1: Well, and and the thing is, they need to avoid burnout, right? right? Like, they're going to be on, too, because they can take that time and, and decompress. I mean, Raphael left. He was gone. He went to the uh, Dominican Republic for about a week and a half. He was gone part of last week and all of the week before. And I'm sitting here looking at his – like, I get a notification every time something happens in HubSpot, right? And I'm sitting here thinking to myself – this guy needs to take that kind of vacation every quarter. His work product and his you know, his production is off the char- off the charts and he's only been back for like 4 right. days. But I'm watching all of this go down and it's like what the heck, man? Like why didn't you know take take a trip sooner, you know? Maybe not for 2 weeks, but I just—I always feel like I'm better. I'm better off, man. I need to be—I need to be the best version of myself as much as I possibly can. And I can assure you, dude, after the traveling that I did this summer, whoo, mm-hmm. I needed time to decompress. You know, we had our—I wrapped up that whirlwind road tour in Columbia, Missouri, and like two weeks later, we had our killing commercial event in Key West. That's—you know—that's not relaxing. Right. I had to plan yep. it, you know. I was running around making sure everybody else was having a good yep. time. That's way more work <laughs> than, you know, than than the insurance piece, right? Because I have a lot of personal investment in making sure everybody has the best time they could possibly have when they're there when I'm the host. And so I had to go away for 4th of July. We went over and stayed in Orlando for a long weekend just so I could finally get the time to relax a little bit. You know, and we're actually going to go back to Key West at the end of August so that I can enjoy it. Right. (laughs) It
2: it makes such a difference to have that downtime, too. And then, you know, you're on when you're on. It's just so, yeah, I'm I'm excited to, to offer that culture at T5 as we continue to grow here.
1: So talk a little bit about the mix of business. I mean, what are you guys going to go after? What's that look
2: like? Yeah, we're mostly personal. I'd say right now, probably 70-30 is what my book was. I actually looked at it yesterday, hitting, uh, coming up to three months, just taking a look, and I'm almost 50-50, which is interesting. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't have an on-compete. Um, and I do have, you know, good clients and that I know very well and close friends who have come over and, you know, basically whatever it's going to take, I want you, I don't want to talk to anybody else. I want, I want you to be the guy, but with that being said, the new, new business so far, 65% of that is all been new business. And, uh, you know, I was actually talking to a client this morning. I met with this morning they were like, well, that's fantastic. What do you attribute that to? And I feel I've done a good job of kind of just growing my brand in the community, of you know, I was Stephen Turnbull that worked for Turnbull Insurance, but now I'm Stephen Turnbull that is Dude, T5. You, you've
1: been everywhere, man. Yeah. You've been everywhere. Like it's been, it's actually been cool to watch how you've kind of rolled everything out because community involvement, like, but and it's it's not obnoxious. Like you're doing it the right, right. way, you know. And you know, somebody else, somebody that I I look up to that I think is really good with regard to the whole community involvement and using that. Is part of your social strategy, and I'm not saying you're exploiting what you're doing in the community for marketing purposes, but I think it's also important that people know you're a community-based firm and you're investing yep. back. And so there's a fine line you walk, and the guy that I think does the best job of walking that line, hands down, is Paradiso. Mm-hmm. Chris Paradiso is by yeah. far you know, the king of community-based marketing, go to his Instagram, go to his Twitter, go to his yep. Facebook. You're going to see him doing stuff with first responders, military, you know, involved in the schools, giving away bikes. I mean, just everything, every time you turn around, it's never about Chris. And it's really never about Paradiso Insurance. It's about, here's what we're doing in the community. And people gravitate toward that. And man. it
2: comes naturally, you know, really. I So I, uh, in June, I just finished my term as uh, the president of the Rotary Club here in Utica um and you know my family's had a long time history with the club and this and that people have asked all the time you know you you do so much there and and you know why is it this and that but it's kind of talking about you know decompressing it's kind of a different uh, a different release for me if you will it's not salesy it's not it's just we're doing this we're giving back to the community it's just something different and then you know you have these moments where you're in a room at a committee meeting or whatever and Oh, I insure him, I insure her, I insure that business, you know, I insure this. And it just kind of comes full circle. So it definitely goes a long way to just show that you're involved and, and that you care and, and, you know, wanting to give back. Not to mention the obvious of the feel-good that, you know, the return is we just had a, uh, we did a gala here. It was the first annual gala we did and raised $12,000 for the local um Visually Impaired uh, Central Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired Program. Um So that was really exciting. We got there. Summer camp. They do a week long camp up in uh, Old Forge, New York. Here, and uh, so we're going to go up on Friday and bring my dad's ski boat up and take some of the visually impaired children tubing, which is always fun because it's something they don't get experience, uh, you know, normally. But it's just uh, it's good to just be plugged in, in as many different you know places that you can be, and uh, that's what I've been trying to do.
1: Well, you've been doing a good job for it, man. With it, I mean, it's it keep that up because it's only going to build from there you know, what, uh, what, what have you run into so far? I mean, I know it's only two and a half months, but what's been the biggest, what's been the biggest surprise that you've had at this point?
2: The biggest surprise, um, I guess the biggest surprise at this point, and I, I'm i am I'll, I'm, I'll back up to 10,000 foot view, I guess, from the career of insurances. I've always told everybody that I, I, I joke that I'm going to get this tattooed on me because I believe it so much, but in 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 our, in our industry and in other you know financial industries like this if you do your job and do the right thing you're going to be successful you know do your job and do the right thing because at the end of the day we're solving a problem whether that's somebody buying our first house and not knowing what the homeowner is going to be or someone that's got a workers comp problem or something problem with their bop or whatever it is but i think the biggest surprise for me being seven years into my you know working career and uh a younger business owner here has been just It's just do your job and do the right thing. You come out of college and they preach in college how big and scary the real world is and not saying that it's at all easy. But if you just show up to the plate, you're going to get those swings and, um, you know, it'll all come in full circle.
1: That's awesome, man. What, um, ask you the surprise, I already know the most rewarding part. I don't know that there's been time for you to have anything disappoint you yet. So there's really no. No, I think the biggest,
2: I, I think maybe the biggest challenge has been figuring out how to wear all the hats. You know, at this point, it's tough. It's, uh, you know, I'm doing Because
1: for you, if you're doing personal lines, like that's, that's why personal lines just doesn't register with me. Cause I can't, like, I, just, it's so foreign in the way that you run an agency like that is so just absolutely different than what you do when you have like we virtually have none. We have we're probably 98 percent commercial and it's not going to change any, especially with how volatile and, and messed up the marketplace in Florida is right now. So, right. you know, I just I think that that's always, you know where you're looking for, okay, what can I automate? What can I delegate? And what can I outsource? You know, if you automate it, you can do it with your systems. If you delegate it, well, you can't delegate it right now because you don't have anybody, but you and the outsource stuff is okay. This is my wish list. If I'm in your chair, this is what I will outsource when I'm ready to bring on a virtual assistant or whatever. So if there's anything, you know, if I'm giving you any advice at all as an agency owner, you know, I would tell you right now: start documenting every process that you have, so that you've got it ready to go when people come in. I did a really crappy yep. job of that. Um, I don't know. You're, I mean, and you're you're younger enough than me, then you're hip to the more recent technologies and stuff. But um, I just was introduced to a tool that we're using in the age. Like I immediately signed up for it, but it's a product called Tango. Have you seen it?
2: No, I haven't seen it. So
1: the web domain is tango.us. This is where I tell everybody on the podcast that I don't get paid for this. And honestly, it's free. Um, you can have a paid subscription, but you don't need it based on... Uh, it just depends on how how much volume of of work you're going to need to do in it. But this thing's crazy, man. It's a Chrome extension for your browser. And anything you do on a quoting website or you know on the back end of a WordPress site... You just go. You you start the workflow. You do it just like you normally would. You hit stop, and when you're done, that thing spits out. A, a, you can export it to a Word document. It's a screenshot and a description of every single step of what you just wow. did, so that you can hand that over to somebody and they'll know what it is. Gone are the days of me going through Loom and explaining everything because the. I mean, it is really really accurate, and it's free. Like, I think they give you up to 25 workflows a month for free. So that's the one thing that I wish. I mean, everybody always says, what would you do differently if you had to start it all over again? My number one answer is I would just open up an agency that's not middle market commercial. It's all quote bind issue products, and I would drive traffic on the internet to landing pages and collect money electronically in my bank account while I'm laying on a boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere. Okay, (laughs) that's the the million – that's the one that I would really do, but – in a realistic world, the one thing that I would do differently that I was really bad at doing is I didn't document. And unfortunately, everything's in my head. So now we're going through this brain dump where I have to think. And I am not a good guy about stopping and thinking about all the way back. Like I hated technical writing in college for that reason. I'm high level. I can come up with an intricate, you know, idea and tell you all the ways that it's going to work. But if you say, "Okay, what's the first step?" You know, I'm out. Right? Right. That's not how I think. And so that that's a big help for me to be able just to say, "Here's how I do it. Just do it the way I do it." And they tell tell you what the first step is and explain it. So
2: doc- I'm document because- document document. Mike Crowley is listening to this right now, shaking his head, going, "I told you, Terrible! I told you, because that's the first thing—the first thing he said." Him and I have gotten real close over the last years. You know, we had really similar stories, and he's, you know, running his family agency, so it went a little different for him. But uh, the first thing he said is document everything. So yeah, I've been, you know, issuing at different companies. I've been doing the Loom video. I got to check out this uh, this Tango thing for sure.
1: Yeah. Let me know what you think of it when you do. I was absolutely blown away when I used it the first time. I was like, ah, eh, it probably works for everybody else. It won't work for me. And I, sh- I was teaching Grayson how to um, upload a blog post to the Killing Commercial website and optimize it on the back end with the Yoast plugin. And I just went in and did it like I normally do. And I'm not kidding, man. Like It spit it out. And I read it thinking I was going to be able to blast a bunch of holes in it. It was absolutely perfect. It was crazy.
2: That's cool. I'm going to check that out for sure. I appreciate you sharing that.
1: Absolutely, man. So what have we left out before I let you run?
2: I think that's it. I just want to thank you for having me and thanks for what you're doing for the uh, the industry. I will share when I when I jumped to T5, I made a list of things that I wanted to accomplish and being on the podcast was the one thing uh, that I had wanted to, one of my list items that I wanted to do in the first year. So I got it out in two and a half months. So I appreciate the invite. Didn't, didn't even I, have
1: to ask, did you?
2: No, no. I appreciate your invite. It was great. And See, uh, people
1: out there watching you, man, and, and they're able to support you in ways you might not necessarily think. So I'm really hoping, you know, with 25,000 people a month listening to this thing, that some of the carriers are going to realize you've got a cool thing going on out there. Some of the vendors that, that think that you need their product might be a little more graceful in how they approach you. And the ones that are aligned with our value proposition and our mission, extend to use some of the same pricing courtesies that they do to do to, to my ecosystem. So, you know, um, the yeah, podcast thing's that. interesting, man. It, you never know who's listening and you never know what opportunity going to come from it. So, I'm just I'm thankful you took the the, the leap of faith and came on because this could have gotten real bloody real quick. <laughs> and <laughs> yep. and I, you know, it I wasn't gonna let that happen for self-preservation, amongst other things. But um, you know, I I think the future's bright for you, Stephen, and I hope you just stick with it, man, because I, I will be real when I tell you it's not always gonna be smooth sailing and that's what's gonna determine how successful you ultimately are, is you've gotta push through those times and those times suck. But you got guys like Crowley, you have people like me that are willing to help you and lift you through those, those times where you're struggling. And I hope you realize that you have a lifeline and multiple lifelines you can reach out because that support structure that you have right now is something that I didn't have. And it made it exponentially more difficult for me to get from where I started to where we're at today. Thankfully, I stumbled into... It's kind of funny, Laura Sherman's a partner at Baldwin, Kristen & Sherman, uh, which is also Baldwin Risk Partners and uh which I had no clue. They were Baldwin Risk Partners when I created Florida Risk Partners, so it's kind of weird, but that's the very first agency that gave me an opportunity to be a producer, and when she saw that I launched my own agency, she actually added me to IAOA. I would have never known the Facebook group existed or that any insurance agency Facebook groups existed, and she got me in, and that's where I began to realize that there is A way that you can do this thing but not be left out on an island by yourself. Mm. So take advantage of those resources. Just understand that not all advice is good advice and you've got to filter through and get what makes the most sense to you and execute on that. And don't try and do everything at once. So...
0: Yeah, I appreciate absolutely.
1: you taking time out of your day, man. I'm going to let you bounce. You know, Kyle just sent me a message. We figured out what was going on with his uh, <laughs> his computer and everything. So hopefully he's able to go on the next one with me. But uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. I wish you nothing but the best. And I hope you know that anything you need, you can reach out. And I'll do my best to help you.
2: Appreciate it. Thanks again for the opportunity, David.
0: Absolutely. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast.